Well, today we will take a look at Jude, the last book before the last book of the New Testament. You can open your Bibles up there. Jude chapter 1, the one and only chapter of Jude. And let's go ahead and jump right on into it. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. Now, let me start out by asking you a little trivia question here. Who was the mother of Jude? Anybody know? It was Mary. Mary, Jude, Jude was the half-brother of Jesus, as was James, another New Testament writer. Jude associates himself here, though, with James, but in his humility, he does not associate himself with Jesus as a brother, but rather only as a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Jude's name was actually Judas. But he also did not want to be associated with the other Judas who betrayed Jesus. So Jude understood, though, the lordship of Jesus Christ. Might have been a little bit difficult to grow up in a family with your brother and like, wait a minute, my brother's, that's who he is? You know, but Jude recognized the lordship of Jesus Christ and who he really was. And what he knew of Jesus in the flesh didn't matter because he knew Jesus as the risen Lord, the Son of God and the Savior. And he says in verse 2, Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Okay, so just right up front, it's very clearly established here as to who Jude was writing to. Okay, he is writing to believers, he's writing to Christians, and he is exhorting them and exhorting us to contend earnestly for the faith. Contend earnestly for the faith, he says. Now, to contend means that. We are to make a strong statement for or to struggle to defend and fight for your position in a certain matter. That's what to contend means. Okay, so in this case, Jude tells us to contend for our faith. Right. You've often heard me say that faith is a fight. Right. This world today will fight against your faith. This world will challenge your faith. Okay. The government will take unbiblical stands, for example, against things that the Bible proclaims. Co-workers and so-called friends will tempt you to turn from your faith or try to distract you from your faith. So you must be willing to take a strong stance for your faith. It's something that you have to contend for. And that's what Jude tells us here. Fight for it. Contend for the faith. And then in verse 4 he says, for certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turned the grace of our God 
into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So this verse says a whole lot. Okay, so let's talk about it. The, the men being described here, Jude says, they turned the grace of our God into lewdness. So what is lewdness? Well, the, the original Greek word there for the word lewdness is a word that means unbridled lust. Asaelga is the word. Asaelga. And it's a word that means unbridled lust. Okay. So what's unbridled lust? Well, it means you, you don't hold back. You don't abstain. Okay. From sex, for example, you go right ahead and have sex outside of marriage. People like that, right? There are those that believe even today that if you are under grace, then you still will be saved even if you live in unbridled lust. And this is what Jude's saying. People take the grace of God and turn it into lewdness. And they say, hey, you can do what you want, right? They're turning the grace of God into lewdness, okay? And that same Greek word also takes on the meaning of excess, okay? And what does excess mean? It simply means to have an amount of something that is more than necessary. Greediness, right? God does not want us to be greedy, okay? And today's grace teachings also teach that kind of thing as well. That you should get all you can and store up for your future. It's, it becomes a very self-centered, very selfish way of living. Okay, And God's word, to the contrary, however, teaches us that we should not covet things, right? But rather we should share what we have with those that have need. We should live, we should travel lightly through this earth. We're just passing through. This is not our home. It's not about gathering up here and getting all we can here, right? But again, the false teaching of grace today says it's okay for you to be all about you, right? And not worry about others. You're saved and that's all you need. And that's what that kind of grace, when you turn the grace of God into lewdness, that's kind of the natural outcome is you become self-centered. Because it becomes, I can live how I want, I can do what I want, I can, I can, I, 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 all of these eyes in there, right? And it's not all about the Lord and what He has done, right? So that type of doctrine is not a biblical doctrine. And again, the Greek word there for lewdness is also takes on the meaning of wantonness, okay? And to be wanton means you're not limited or controlled. That's what wantonness means. Not when you're wanton, it means you're not limited or controlled. Okay. And again, there's a teaching of grace today that basically says, do whatever you want to do. Right? You're saved anyway. There's no boundaries. Okay. So Jude says that there are people that live in this way, that believe this kind of thing, and they creep in and they bring this kind of teaching into the true faith. But he says, contend for the faith. So you've got to understand the Word of God. You've got to believe it, and then you've got to live it. And then you've got to fight against any teaching that comes along, no matter how popular it is, no matter how many Christians are following that teaching. You've got to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints, and now it's been delivered to us, right? And Jude says, these people are marked for condemnation, right? And again, this is not the faith that the Bible teaches, and we need to contend for the faith 
that the Bible does teach. And we are called to live differently than that in a righteous manner. Okay? And people believe, that believe that they can profess the Lord and then go on to live however they want, they're actually denying the Lord. Because that's not what the, the Lord brought. That's not the teaching He brought. That's not the truth of His Word. Okay? So, and as we studied, right, last week, I believe it was, we're to be imitators of Him, aren't we? So Jude's going to remind us of all, all of something here in verse 5. And he says, But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Okay, so he's making a distinction here, right? So God is a God that has indeed offered grace to mankind. He's offered salvation to all of mankind. And to those of us that have received the grace of God, we are not to walk any longer in lewdness, right? Like the children of Israel that were led out of Egypt, we have been redeemed. And we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, the precious blood of the Lord. We have been redeemed out of this world, okay? And those that have not repented and, and come to Christ will perish, they will be destroyed. And Jude's reminding us of that kind of thing here. He gives another example in verse 6. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh and set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So another example given to us from Jude here, right? So these angels left their proper abode. They were created for good, but they chose evil. And there's a much deeper study you can go into about all of that. And maybe next time I teach through this, I'll take that direction. But the Lord didn't lead me in that direction today. But when we come to Christ, we are created to do good works in Christ Jesus. And we must continue to walk in those good works. We must contend for the faith. Sodom and Gomorrah are also examples of unrighteousness in that the people that lived there lived in sexual immorality. And they are suffering the vengeance of eternal fire, like it says there. And if we give up contending for the faith and we turn to a life of accepting lewdness, and accepting sexual immorality into the body of Christ, and, and we, we live a life of excess, and we live that life that says, hey, there's no limits. We're not setting any limits. We can do whatever we want. We're headed in the wrong direction. We're headed in that direction of suffering the, the vengeance of eternal fire because we've got to contend for the faith. Okay, And Jude continues in verse 8. Likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Now, does this go on? Does any of this go on in our society today? Do you see any disregard today for authorities? Do you see people defiling their own flesh and speaking evil of dignitaries? 
This is the way of the lost soul, but it's not the way of the saved soul. Okay? And Jude's pointing this out to us. In verse 9, Yet Michael the archangel is in contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Now look, we have no clue what this story that Jude speaks here of is all about. We have no idea because it's nowhere else spoken of in the Bibles that we have, right? So Jude must have gotten this information from somewhere, probably from the Holy Spirit who inspired him to write this letter. But the point being made here is that Michael the archangel would not dare to even speak evil of Satan himself. Michael did not say, I rebuke you, Satan. Instead, he said, the Lord rebuke you. So what Jude is really getting across to us here is that even as evil as Satan is, we are to speak evil of no one. Okay? But these people that Jude is describing here in this letter, he says in verse 10, but these speak evil of whatever they do not know and whatever they know naturally like brute beast in these things they corrupt themselves so look there are people that run amok today right there are people that fight against authorities and you know a well-ordered society needs people in position of authority and that's why we have law today right Otherwise, there will be lawlessness. Authorities are to be respected according to God's word. Let me show you some scriptures. Go ahead and mark this page and turn to Romans chapter 13. Romans 13. Again, what Jude is pointing out is that we're not to be disrespectful of those in authorities. We're not to speak evil of dignitaries. We're not to live in that manner. And in Romans 13, verse 1, it says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Now, who are, who are our governing authorities today in our society? Well, of course, we know the president, the Senate, the Congress, the state governors and the like, right? All of those kind of people. But we also have like the municipalities, right? We have our, our town mayor. We have, of course, those that are paid to keep law and order, our police officers and such, right? And Paul goes on in verse 1 here to say, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinances of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. So it's very plain and simple what the Word of God teaches us, isn't it? Do not resist or put up a struggle against those that are in authority. If you do, well, judgment will come upon you from them. This is what happens. Verse 3, For rulers are not a terror to good works, 
but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of authority? Do what is good. And you will have praise from the same. I'm telling you, if you walk down the street and you help people and you give to people and you clean up your neighborhood, you will not get arrested for doing those things. No one's going to arrest you for doing those things. But if, however, you go out and you steal and you damage other people's properties and you harm other people, then you will face the wrath of the law. God put this thing in order and judgment will come upon you. Speaking of these authorities, verse 4 continues, for he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. So in other words, do good simply for the sake of doing good. We will have no problems if we live a life always doing good. No problems when it comes to the law and things like that, right? And and it's good to have people that protect what is good. It's good that we have that. And we should be glad to contribute to these people. Verse 6 says, because of this, you also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. So we pay our taxes so that we can have governing authorities, so we can have police officers and things like that, keeping the law in order. So verse um, 7 continues, Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So just be a good citizen, especially if you name the name of Jesus. Do good in the name of Jesus. And as we flip back to Jude now, Jude is telling us still what the bad guys and and what the bad girls are like. And, And he also says, right, that they have crept in to the body of Christ unnoticed. In other words, this kind of thing, this kind of lewdness is somehow now being accepted. And do we have that today? (laughs) Sexual immorality being accepted in the so-called church? People being ordained in the church who live in sexual immorality? People running amok and living the way they want and yet going to church and professing Christianity? And saying, well, this is how we are. Well, if if you're a Christian, then you're going to read the Word of God and you're going to live it in accordance with what it says. Okay? And he continues to talk about these people, right? And in verse 11, he says, Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the era of Balaam for profit, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. So these people shed innocent blood like Cain did, right? They're greedy for money, and they're greedy for things like Balaam was. Remember the story of Balaam with the donkey that wouldn't go and... And, and, you know, someone was, something was permitting the donkey. The donkey ended up talking to Balaam. You know, God had all that happen. But Balaam was all about getting more. He was, trying, he was greedy. He was a prophet of the Lord, but he was trying to get more. He was looking for greed, and, and the king was offering him something, and he was going after it, right? 
So greedy for money and things, right? They see the chance. People like that today even, they see the chance to get money. They see the chance to get to steal things, and they don't hold back. They don't set limits on themselves. They don't temper themselves, right? They don't care about the law. They don't care about those placed in authority. They don't care about other people's properties. Again, this thing should not be named amongst the body of Christ. This thing should not be in the body of Christ. And again, these people do claim today, though, to be Christians. They are amongst us, but they are not really of Christ. They've not really been born again of the Spirit. Verse 12 says, These are spots in your love feast, while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. So he says, they feast with us, right? In other words, they're amongst us. They're churchgoers. That's what these people are. They're churchgoers. And they'll sit right alongside of you and they'll put on their Sunday best and they'll praise the Lord in song, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. But they don't really, they don't really live it. What, what, what they're really out for is they're just serving themselves, like Jude says here. He says in uh, verse 12 continues, They are clouds without water, carried about by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead pulled up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. So let's go over those things, right? Clouds without water. When I think of a cloud without water, it means to me that there's no rain going to come out of that cloud. And I tell you what, living in Arizona, that frustrates me. <laughs> I see clouds come in and I get excited because I love rain. And those clouds get here and they don't let anything out. They just bring a bunch of dust and dirt, you know, and they move on, you know, most of the time. We've been getting some rain lately, though. But clouds without water means to me no rain's coming out of that thing, right? There, there, there's nothing good that comes from that type of person, right? The, nothing good that will water your life. Nothing good that will help you to grow like rain does, okay? And Jews, Jude says these are trees without fruit. So the, these, these type of people produce nothing. And they have no benefit to others, he says that they are twice dead and pulled up by the roots. And this reminds me of weeds that maybe you spray with weed killer in your backyard and then you go and you pull them up out of the ground. They're dead and, and they're good for nothing, right? Then he says raging waves of the sea. So think about a wave. As I think about a raging wave of the sea, it just gets bigger and bigger as it rolls in. It looks good and everything, and, and maybe, I, maybe you can surf on it. Maybe you can ride the thing, and then it crashes into nothing, okay? And then lastly, he says, wandering stars. A wandering star is a star that's never going anywhere, but it just continually wanders around in darkness, and there are people that live like that. They just keep wandering around from darkness to darkness, from sin to sin, no purpose, no, not not surrendering their lives completely to the Lord. And again, these type of people are proclaiming Christianity today. They believe that grace is something that they cannot fall from, so they go on living however they want. All right? They're bad for Christianity, and they're bad for society. And then Jude has some more information for us. In verse 14, he says, Now Enoch 
the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way and all and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him so the bottom line is with all of that is that the day of recompense is coming for those that live ungodly so how do you recognize the ungodly well we have seen some ways in this letter thus far, but verse 16 gives us more information on that. It says, these are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lust, and they have, they have mouth, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. So they say, ah, oh, how come I don't have that, you know? Why do I have to do this or that, you know? I'll do whatever I want, whenever I want. I dare you to stop me. And our society is getting more and more like that, you know, as generations go on, right? But they are also the type of people that are fast talkers. They're, they're good with their words. And when they want to get something from others, they're very good with their words. They know how to play the system. They know how to get what they want. And it's all about them. And they don't contribute. They don't contribute to society. They don't contribute to the good of others. They don't want to work. Okay? They just want to find loopholes and they want to find ways to cheat and to, to get, you know, get what they want and what they need. And the Word of God says in Thessalonians 3.10, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. It's that simple. What if we just go back to that in our society today? You don't work, you don't eat. Okay. How many more people would be getting out working somewhere? But you know, it should come as no surprise to us, again, that these people are among us in Christianity. Jesus and the apostles both said it would be like this. Verse 17, Jude says, But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. So that's the difference right there. They might be amongst us, okay, but they don't have the Spirit. They're not born again of the Spirit. Right. So basically, Jude says, OK, that's them. Right. This is who he's talking about. But what about us? What does the Holy Spirit through Jude tell us here in the word of God about how we should be? Verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So again, at the start of this study, we see how the Word of God here exhorts us to contend for the faith, right? Contend for our faith. And now we see that we are to then build up that faith, okay? Which Jude calls the holy faith. 
And the way that we are to build that up, he says, is by praying in the Spirit. Now, praying in the Holy Spirit can simply mean that we, are, that we pray being led by the Holy Spirit. When we pray, we should pray in such a manner that we give diligence in our prayer time. We take our prayer time seriously. We set, a to- we set aside time, right, to block out all distractions. And we find a quiet place. And we seek the Lord. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 6, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. So you're devoted in prayer and you're shutting the door to distractions and you're finding that quiet place. Right. So we are to have some reverence about our private prayer time. Okay? And we want to hear the Spirit of the Lord and we want to be led by the Spirit of the Lord in our prayers. This will build up our faith. Now, praying in the Spirit can also mean praying in tongues. Because in 1 Corinthians 14, we see that it says, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. In that same chapter of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul said that he would pray with the Spirit and also with the understanding. He said, I will sing with the Spirit and I will also sing with the understanding. So the Bible does indeed teach that there is the gift of the Holy Spirit in that manner where you are in your prayer, private prayer time and you have this language, right? Because if you pray in tongues in public, then the Bible tells us that there needs to be someone there to interpret it, that it needs to be interpreted what you are praying. Otherwise, it has no benefit, but it only causes confusion. Okay, so you can look at that however you want. You can say, well, praying in the spirit is just being led by the spirit. And and it is. But it also the Bible also talks about praying in the spirit in praying in that prayer language of tongues. Okay, that some people have as a gift, but not all people do. Paul pointed that out that not all people do. Okay. But again, we see here in verse 20 that we are to pray in the Holy Spirit. And verse 21 tells us that we should be keeping ourselves in the love of God. Now, how much did we go over the love of God? For those of you that were here, how much did we go over the love of God as we went through 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John? It's all about love of God, the love of God, the love of God, keeping ourselves in the love of God. And when we keep ourselves in the love of God, then we're going to keep walking in the way that we should. Because Jesus is coming again. And He will pour out His mercy upon us. And we will receive eternal life. But we must stay the course. We must contend for the faith. We must keep going. We must not let all this lewdness in. Okay, And we must continue to build up that faith. So in this letter, Jude is kind of describing the us and the them. The them are the ones that are not contending for the faith. They are the ones that creep into the body and bring false doctrines and live in an unrighteous manner. They don't care about society. They don't care about law and order. They don't care about any of that stuff. They just get what they want. Okay. And there's a doctrine, again, that's, that's crept its way into Christianity that says you can live however you want. You're under grace. And the them that Jude speaks of are also the type of people, like I said, that don't respect authority and and people in position. They're self-centered people that look out for their own interests. 
Now, on the other hand, Jude speaks of the us in this letter and how we should live. And we've, we've seen that in this chapter here as well. So as born again followers of Jesus Christ, what we are, what, you know, what are we to do about the them? Okay. What about the them that comes into the body of Christ? These people that creep in, what are we to do? How should we engage the thems of this world? Verse 22, and on some have compassion, making a distinction. You see, there are some people lost in the world that are not really entrenched in all of the evil of the world. They're, they're, they, you know, they may even say that they're Christians, right? And they're not out breaking the law. They're not out destroying other people's property, and they're not running amok. Well, on these people, we need to have compassion. We need to make a distinction. He, Jude says, hey, there are those that are doing all this and, and stay away from them, and this is not the way to be. But then there are others that are lost in that world, too, that we need to have compassion on. And we need to reach out to them with that compassion. And we need to point them in the way of the Word of God, because we were all once lost without Christ as well. We were all once a part of the them. Okay? So we don't become one of the us and then point fingers at the them. We become one of the us and then reach out in love to the them. Okay? But yet also he takes the time to point out, hey, there's got to be order. There's got to be law and order and we got to keep this good, right? Then verse um, 23 says, but others... Save with fear. So we're showing compassion on some. He says, but on others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. You see, some folks need to be figuratively smacked upside the head. Right? That's how you have, that's in a sense, right? They act like fools. They are not even close to living in a good manner. And we've, we're around them. We work with them and things like that, right? And these people need to be sternly warned of their ultimate end. See, eternal separation from God awaits the lost. But we are to make a, a distinction and have compassion on some and firmly warn others. You see, God is still at work today. He's still at work calling people to himself. Remember, God loves the world. And he has shown this love to the world in the greatest way possible. And that is by giving his only begotten son. And God wants his love to be known to all the people of the world. But it is us, the us, right? It is his servants that need to spread that love and tell people of that love. We must guard our own hearts. We must contend for the faith, and we must build up our faith. But we must also not allow sin into our lives, right? We must not allow the lewdness to creep in to the body of Christ, the church. And people that live in deliberate, premeditated sin need to be noted, and they need to be dealt with. They are spots on our love feast, as Jude called them. And God is love, and we must love God. We love God when we keep His commandments. We just studied that recently in 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. It says, for this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. So do you want to know if you love God? You keep His commandments. That's, that's the test. Who loves God out there? They're the people that live according to what, we're stud what we study in the Word of God, right? So what we're seeing here in the Word of God today is that 
we're to take our faith seriously. Fight to stay the course. Live in accordance with the Word of God and reach out to others around us that need to know the love of God. Again, some folks need to be dealt with sternly for their blatant disregard of what is good and proper. That's why we have laws. That's why we do what we do. Other folks we need to reach out to with compassion, right? But the truth needs to be told, and the truth of the Word of God needs to be taught, right? Jude ends this letter by saying, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior who alone is wise, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forever. So I love that ending right there because to me it says everything we just talked about this morning is all to God be the glory for it all. To God be the glory for, for it all. None of us are holier than thou. than thou. None of us have arrived. None of us are perfect. We are not good in and of ourselves. It's only when we die to ourselves. It's only when we surrender our lives on a daily basis and decide to live on a daily basis in accordance with the Word of God. That's the only time that we know that we can know the love of God and, and share and show the love of God, okay? And it's only when we live by the Word of God ourselves that we can find the strength that we need to get through this life day by day, right? And then we go on to eternal life. And when we keep our hearts focused on the Lord, He alone is our strength. The Word of God constantly exhorts us as to where our focus should be. That's why you need to go back to the Word of God time and time and time again so that we stay focused on the Lord, that we continue to contend for the faith, that we stay the course, that we don't get off track, that we're not allowing lewdness to come into our own lives personally and into the body of Christ as a whole. Okay, And this world can so easily get you off course. It will very easily get you focused on all the wrong things. Okay? And this life is not supposed to be about our wants, our desires. We should not be focused on our own flesh. We should instead be focused on our God and His will for our lives. Let's pray. Father God, again we thank You for Your Word, Your powerful Word, Lord that is living and active, Lord, that does a work within the hearts of, of all of us, Lord, and of all of mankind that no other words can do. Lord, we, we love your word. But, Lord, we will prove our love for your word when we live out your word, when we take it to heart, when we contend for the faith, when we fight against the lewdness and all the other things, the, the distractions, of this world, the distractions that the enemy wants to bring into our paths, Lord. We will prove our love for your word, Lord, when we stand for your word and when we stand upon your word and when we walk in your word. So God, thank you for your word today. And just pray, Lord, as we go forth into the rest of the week that your will would be done in our lives above all else. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.